When we see that we are doing and being what we wanted to in the first place, and that is to make a difference in other people's lives, then that will help to fuel and nourish our hearts in what it is that we do each and every day. So if you want to work 24 plus hours a day making a difference and you can be well in doing so, then let's create the environment that supports that for you. Welcome to Difficult Conversations, lessons I learned as an ICU physician with Dr. Anthony Orsini. Dr. Orsini is a practicing physician and president and CEO of the Orsini Way. As a frequent keynote speaker and author, Dr. Orsini has been training healthcare professionals and business leaders how to navigate through the most difficult dialogues. Each week, you will hear inspiring interviews with experts in their field who tell their story and provide practical advice on how to effectively communicate. Whether you are a doctor faced with giving a patient bad news, a business leader who wants to get the most out of his or her team members, or someone who just wants to learn to communicate better, this is the podcast for you. Well, welcome to another episode of Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician. This is Dr. Anthony Orsini, and I will be your host today. You know, before we start the episode today, I want to go ahead and thank my audience because, you know, I started this podcast a few months ago, and I was hoping that one person would at least listen, but the audience has been amazing. My subscribers are going up every week, and it's getting more and more popular, and I want to say thank you. Now, I'd like to take credit for that. But actually, the credit goes to all my amazing guests, and I've had some great guests, and we have some more guests that are lined up, and today is no exception. So today, we are lucky enough to have Diane Rogers. Diane Rogers has a diverse background and a big heart, both of which power a simple and focused mission, and that is to inspire individuals and organizations to harness the strengths and magnificence of people. She is the founder and president of Contagious Change, LLC. Diane is best known for her breakthrough programs for healthcare organizations where she has long been a trusted coach, sought after for her ability to inspire strength-based leadership behaviors among medical professionals who want to optimize performance, experience, and engagement. I guess the best word to describe Diane's approach to leading and inspiring others is the word collaborative. In everything she does, she endeavors to leave her stakeholders feeling like their best selves. Diane is frequently called upon by leadership teams across various industries, including healthcare technology, finance, and professional services, to do the important work of developing and coaching leaders, improving quality and performance, implementing organizational change, and transforming workplace cultures. Diane holds a PCC-level certification from the International Coaching Federation, as well as several certificates in positive psychology. She is a dynamic, energetic speaker, as you will see, who offers keynotes and presentations of all kinds, and she is an author, and her first book, Leading Heartfully, The Art of Leading Through Your Heart to Discover the Best in Others, is scheduled to be out in publication on October 21st, and depending on when this airs, may already be out, and I'm sure Diane will tell you how to get that at the end. But we are very, very happy to have Diane, and I think that this is going to be an incredible episode. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you, Diane, for agreeing to come on. I know you're so busy. Well, Tony, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. I can't even tell you. I remember when we first met at the Barrel Conference, and it was like you and I were magnets together. There was an energy and a passion that we both shared around how to best create 
the most exceptional human experience. And also, I hear your passion come out in the podcast. I've listened to, I think, all of them at this point, right? Hearing Larry and Nicole and Claude. And what I love so much about the podcast is, Tony, you have such a way of just making them real and inviting for people. I think that your mission is to inspire and have somebody take something away each time. And honest to God, every time I listen to one of your podcasts, I am inspired and taking away something new. So I've really enjoyed them. Fantastic. I make that promise every week. And I know I'm going to keep it this week because I know all about you and I know my audience is going to get both promises fulfilled. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me be here today. So, yeah, so we met at the Barrel Institute, I think it was three or four years ago. We're going to talk about the Barrel Institute later on. You and I just met and the audience will find out by the end of this podcast about your dynamic personality. You're very contagious. I think that's a great title for your company, Contagious Change, because you have a contagious personality. And I showed up at the Barrel Institute first time ever, didn't know what to expect. I loved it. I've been teaching patient experience for four or five years. You and I met, I think, a physician breakout. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it was just instant rapport. Although I have a feeling you don't really have much of a problem getting rapport with everybody. <laughs> so, but it was great. We've kept in touch. You've become friends with Liz, our director of operations. And so it's really just great to have you here. I know about you and I know your background and I know you. you we've had some great talks, but I think I'd like the audience to first get to know who Diane Rogers is and a little bit of your background. And I have a whole bunch of questions ready to go, but I, I really want you to tell your story, Diane. Tell everybody about yourself and how you got to this moment at this time. It is a really great question because it requires, oddly enough, each time I'm asked that to actually reflect on that journey because it kind of shifts and changes. But I have a very diverse background. I started out years ago in nuclear power as an engineer, and then moved into aerospace. And I worked for what is now Boeing on the Apache helicopter. Wow, that's cool. Wow, it is cool. Let me tell you, it is like the coolest airplane in the whole wide world, right? <laughs> and I was good at what I did, and I had various leadership positions, but for a very long time, I was searching for purpose. I wanted a gazillion kids and that just didn't work out. And, and so there was like this hole in what I was doing and how I could find meaningfulness in it. And one day, John Rogers and I, John Rogers and my husband, were playing golf and we came upon this house where a friend of ours had just up and left his house to go beyond the senior tour. And I turned to John Rogers and I asked him, I said, how does somebody just leave their house and go play golf? And John Rogers looked at me. He's a very smart man. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I suppose that if that's what your dream is, that's what you would do. It's true. And that struck me. And I turned to John and I said, what would my dream be? And he said, your dream would be to help people. And that quick moment was very inspiring for me because I had really never thought about it. And honest to God, the next day I went back to work. I was working in semiconductors at the time. I went to work and I called a colleague who worked for our local hospital system here, which is now called Banner Health. 
And I called up our colleague and he said, you need to talk to this woman. And I talked to her. She worked in performance improvement at Banner Health. And a long story short, I ended up working for Banner Health for many years, working with them to help improve and reduce their liability claims. And Tony, it was there that I found purpose. It was that I could connect back to what was real. And healthcare professionals were real and they were doing amazing, magnificent things. And they did these very scientific and incredible clinically profound things. But at the same time, they were just showing up and taking care of people. And what I realized across the many years is that if I could help others to see the magnificence they had simply in being who they are, what an amazing purpose I might have. And so that's really kind of where it all started is really around how is it that I can be my best self in an endeavor to help others discover the best in themselves. That's a great story. And so you made this change and now you spend most of your time coaching physicians, correct? Yes. I work with physicians holding up the mirror, if you will, to their magnificence, but in a way that brings clarity and specificity to what it is that they're doing and who it is that they're being, and most importantly, the impact that they make in doing that. And I also work with organizations to kind of create a culture where we're actually leveraging the best in others. And that's going to dovetail into a question later where I'm going to ask you about something in your book and a character in your book, a person called Bob. Yes, Bob. And we'll talk about Bob. Okay. But in the meantime, we'll get to the book. One of the things that you and I talked about, I, I want to ask you, so my audience, a lot of them are physicians. A lot of them are in healthcare. I also have a lot of business people. Physicians are tough people. Yeah. And I can get away with saying that because I'm one. And Dyke Drummond was on our podcast previously. He does physician burnout. And he talks about how physicians are perfectionists and physicians are told from very early on, you need to work harder. And if you're working 24 hours a day, then you should be able to work 24 hours in a day in one minute and you should never complain. And it makes them a little bit hard around the edges. But when I give lectures and I do a lot of lecturing, as you know, to physicians and yeah. to healthcare professionals about how to remind themselves of how they why they went into medicine in the first place. And that leads into a good patient experience. And I'm in a room and I read body language. As you know, I love that kind of stuff. And you see the physician sitting in the room, not all of them, but some of them, and you see them and their arms are folded. And they're like, I can't believe I have to be here. Many of the classes that I'm forced to take from my hospital and from administration are given by non-medical people, not physicians. And I'll be honest with you, many times, a lot of physicians come out of there going, oh my God, what does she know? She doesn't know what it's like to have to see 30 patients in a day. She doesn't know what it's like to have administration on my back. She doesn't know what it's like to be forced to work more and more for less and less money and to spend all of my off time doing paperwork and on the electronic medical record. I have an advantage because I can say, hey, I'm one of you. And I have a little bit of an in, and so I get some credibility with them. You've been very successful as a layperson, 
being able to coach physicians and get through that. And I think part of it's your personality. So I kind of know the answer to this, but you have a certain technique that allows the physicians to put the the wall down and say, hey, I know she's not a physician, but I'm going to learn something from her. So how do you approach that? So I love how you captured kind of the environment that we do step into, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing that you kept on saying, Tony, was she doesn't know what it's like, Mm -hmm. right? And that's exactly true. And I don't pretend to. So how do I connect with a physician or really anyone else in the coaching relationship is first is to appreciate that I am not the expert in their lives. The second thing is to believe, and as coaches, we are trained to do this as well, but to believe that each individual holds within themselves their own ability to do and be their best. And so, you know, I thought about this a lot, actually, and the word that kept coming up in my head was this notion of collegiality, right? That part of how you can stand up in front of a bunch of physicians as a physician is the relationship that you've established and collegiality is grounded in trust, right? So they know that you're not going to stand up there and really throw them under the bus, if you will. But, and I know you, but to come forward in an empathic way, understanding them, right? In an endeavor to partner with them together, right? And so foundational to how you relate to them is trust. And if I can appreciate, so when I enter into a relationship, with some physicians, with some people, they do have their arms crossed. They're like, why am I here? Right. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing for me is a couple of things. One is to know I'm not the expert. Two, I always create an intention. I created an intention before our conversation today. What experience do I want to create? And I think that's really important. What intention do I want to make in an endeavor to have an experience that is meaningful, productive, and positive? So I had to actually think about this. So if Mm -hmm. I go into a physician relationship and I want them to change their behavior so that they have a better patient experience and that I'm going to be auditing them to ensure that they do what I think is best for them to create the patient experience, that will never work. But if I enter into the relationship and I ask you, Tony, I know that you went into medicine for a reason. Tell me about that. And tell me what it is that you want to create with your patient interactions. And I value that. And I trust that that is a way In your interview with Claude, Claude talked about what she does is hold the space. And see, as a coach, what we're doing is we're creating the space for you to discover again and again and again what is grand about you and where your strengths lie. And then I also have to trust that I'm, this will sound really weird, but that I'm also really good at what I do. Because if I come in not confident, just like when you see a patient and you have to tell them something, you talked about this, I forget, with Nicole, about how you have to go in with confidence, right? Even if you're going to share bad news, you have to bring confidence in, right? So I have to be confident and trust that I know how to bring out the best in each individual 
Because if if I go in going, oh, my God, they're going to hate me. I don't know what to do. I'll just crumble. So the whole idea of how I show up as my best self to leverage the best in others becomes really important in our ability to create trust and build a relationship where that is therapeutic, empathic, and where you see the magnificence in who you are each and every moment. And I think that's beautifully said, Diane. Thank you. And I think as whether you're a physician or a business leader and you're being coached, I think that's the key. You're able to get trust because you're saying, I'm not coming from you at a different angle and I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I think you talk about that in your book when you were a leader, that you realize that telling people what to do is not the best way to get the best out of them. It's as Claude Silver said, you want to bring the best out of each person. And I think those are the words that you use also. But it's really important that we put people in positions. I do some lectures for business leaders. The difference between a basic manager and a real leader is bringing out the best in everybody, right? And so you're bringing the best out of the physicians. And the example I use in my workshop is I'll say, listen, if I take Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, two phenomenal Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I put them at linebacker, they're going to be lousy football players. Yeah, You're not putting them in a position to succeed. And so what you just said there was beautiful because that was the answer. That's how you break down the arms folding and, oh, she's not telling me what to do. She's bringing out the best of me. And I think that's beautifully said. So thank you for that. Let's get to your book. I've read it. It's not out yet, but you were nice enough to give me an advanced copy. So I looked through it. I really enjoyed it. I love it. One of the great things about doing podcasts is that I get to read so many books And yours was really incredible. In your book, you give a story of yourself, how you were a leader, you were a perfectionist, you were really, you thought you were great and you thought you knew everything. (laughs) And then you had this aha moment of which your boss, you were giving a presentation that said he's going to give you some constructive criticism. Yes. You saw all the bad things you saw in your boss, you saw in yourself. I did. And that was really your aha moment that changed your life, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. So first off, Tony, thank you for reading my book. (laughs) It was great. I mean that so sincerely. When I sent it to you and you wrote me back and you said, you know, I'll make sure to read it. I was like running downstairs going, John Rogers, Dr. Orsini's going to read my book. I was so excited, right? So I really do appreciate that you took the time to read it. My defining moment, yeah, that mirror that was held up in front of me, you described it quite well. I had prepared and prepared for a presentation thinking that I had mastered it. And, you know, I had spent my whole life growing up in the leadership world, really trying to be perfect and trying to be the best. And boy, when you do that, at least for me, Lots of things just get in the way of being able to create meaningful relationships, right? And I had a boss who was very much, although it took me years to realize, very much about driving perfection. And everything I did, there was always something wrong. And I remember the presentation that you're talking about specifically because at the end of that, not only did he tell me well, here's the things that you missed. I got very defensive. And he then went on to tell me how now it was time for us to have a teachable moment. (laughs) And 
I felt so demoralized and so invisible and that I didn't matter at all. And I realized at that moment, Tony, that my way of being and my leadership approach was doing all of that to all of the people that work for me, even though what I thought we were doing was hitting the mark on our organizational objectives, right? That I was driving this team of people to be their best. The reality is, is that I was driving them to be my best and the organizational best. And I think that we grow up in leadership. You asked this question, I forget who, I think it might've been to Claude as well, but you know, how is it that we undo or how is it that we got where we are right now in terms of how we lead? And I think that, you know, we continue to do what has been successful. So if we're climbing the ladder because of our micromanagement techniques, because of our command and control philosophies, right? And we continue to get promoted in that way and acknowledged in that way, we're going to continue those behaviors. So you really have to, you know, I mean, my defining moment was horrible for me to look at in the mirror. But I will tell you that in seeing that and really coming and choosing to shift everything about the way I did it, today I'm a better leader. Today I can help others be a better leader. What we achieve in terms of potential is far beyond that what I ever imagined is possible because when I'm in charge, we can only be as good as what I think, right? And so yep. when, when we can leverage the best in others, and we've heard this, I'm, this is not new science. This has been the mantra forever. But until we want to step into a space where we are choosing to discover, reflect, act differently, be differently. All of this takes work. I tell my clients all the time, the burden of change lies in leaders. Burden of change doesn't lie in our employees at all. It lies in how we choose to show up in order for them to show up to be their best. You wrote in your book, you shifted from it's all about me to it's all about them. Yes. And, and that's a, a concept that Claude Silver so eloquently spoke about. And that's what leadership's all about. Now, this all ties into patient experience because, yes. and your work with being a physician, because in many ways, the audience may be going, okay, we're going off topic here. But in many ways, the physician is the leader. There's no way around that. He, he walks into a room, the pressure is on my shoulders. I'm in a code situation. Everybody's looking towards me. It's part of a team. And when you look at the best physicians and they get the best patient experience scores, I learned a long time ago, stop looking at the people who are failing and start looking at the people yeah. who are succeeding. Yeah. You learn so much more and say, why does that doctor get 95 percentile yeah. from all his patients? And if you sit back and watch, you'll see that the true leader, the very effective physician is one that has relationships. That's the word that I use all yep. the time that can form a relationship. He or she walks into the room. Every nurse lights up. Every therapist lights up. Yep. He walks into a patient's room. He introduces himself. She introduces himself. She's a, I use an acronym called program in my book. The G is for genuine. They're a genuine yep. person. They spend a few minutes and 
they're being leaders, but what they're doing is when they enter the room, everyone's better. Yeah. Everyone's a better version of themselves as opposed to just be kind of being grumpy or just going through the motions. And so this all ties into patient experience. And that's what you and I really care about, right? Because we're trying to make a horrible situation. And I don't care if you're in the hospital for an appendectomy or you're in a hospital for cancer. Of course, I'm not equating them, but it's a horrible situation. As I say in my book, nobody says, you know, I'd like to go to hospital today. Wouldn't that be fun? Nobody wants to be there. So you talk about how you can bring the doctors or the leaders to be the best themselves. And one of the things you talk about in your book is being yes, and understanding that you are good at what you do, because whether you're in business or you're a nurse or you're a doctor, you're kind of always just told what to do. Yeah. And one of your people that you speak about that you coached was a guy named Bob. Yeah, You speak so highly of Bob. I'm not going to take it away from you. I want you to tell the story about Bob was great, except for one problem, right? What was Bob's problem? Bob is great. Bob's a fine, fine human being. And I've known Bob for 25 years. And Bob approached the patient experience when I first met him very intellectually. He had read every book. He knew every communication technique. He was very good at telling his team of docs you know, use this technique, always sit down. He, by the book, man, he could do it. But what Bob didn't connect to initially was the impact of how he showed up. I remember he and I had this huge argument one night. I was standing outside of a restaurant. I literally had to get up from the table. We were talking on the phone. I said, Bob, in fact, he is how I kind of started coaching physicians. I said, fine, I'm going to come we're going to do this together and I'm going to help you to see how incredible you are. Don't get me wrong. Bob knew he was a good doc and Bob knew that he was good at communication, but taking this deeper level, and we went in to see this one woman who was her kids had sent her to the ER. He's an ED doc had sent her to the ED for some chest pain. And oh my God, the way in which He immediately connects, just as you described, and as I imagine you would as well, Tony. You walk into the room and you see the person and you understand that they're there and they're scared. And Bob had this most incredible way of reassuring the patient instantly. And he was very clear in explanations. And I could go through all of the things that he did so wonderfully. I still can see it in my head. And I was kind of standing off into the corner. And I just watched the relationship as you described, and also your G, Tony, his genuineness coming out, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the interaction, I asked the woman, and uh, I don't do this today because I'm not a part of the interaction at, at all. But at the time, I had asked the woman, I said, Bob, do you mind if I ask her a question? And I asked her a question, and I said, if you could describe the interaction that you had with Bob, how would you describe it? You know, was it good? Was it just okay? Or would you not even bring your dog here? Right. And she looked at me and she said, well, I wouldn't give him a good. And I think Bob was startled by that. And I said, well, please tell me more. And she said, I would give this man an excellent. 
because mm-hmm. I could tell that he truly cared about me. And I, even still, I can be right in that moment. You know, docs are kind of funny sometimes, right? He wasn't going to say anything to me, you know, but as we both kind of walked out of the room, I could see in his head, in his eyes and in his heart that he got it. He knew exactly what I was talking about is, you know, my phrase, Tony, is turn your observer on and notice the impact that you make. Because when you can see the impact that you make, I call those change a world moments. When you can see your own capacity to change a world, that's going to reconnect you to what is meaningful. And that is part of how we are being well. In other words, that's part of our strategy toward well-being. And it's also how we're going to reduce burnout. Is that when we see that we are doing and being what we wanted to in the first place, and that is to make a difference in other people's lives, then that will help to fuel and nourish our hearts in what it is that we do each and every day. So if you want to work 24 plus hours a day making a difference and you can be well in doing so, then let's create the environment that supports that for you. And the audience can't see because this is audio only, but <laughs> but Diane can see that I've been nodding my head up and down. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. And it all ties together. So I'm going to say to the audience out there, if you're a nurse or a doctor, or even if you're in business, tomorrow the, when COVID's over, go back into the office, go into the hospital, sit there and watch people. There are some people, and I know you know already who they are. There's some people that walk in and the room becomes a better place Yeah, immediately. The nurses light up, the therapists light up. As you said, Bob made the patient feel excellent. It improved the patient experience. We know beyond a doubt that when the patient experience is better, it improves clinical outcomes, malpractice losses. Everything is better. Burnout goes down. It's all about enjoying what you do yes. and not getting caught up in the weeds. That's exactly right. And so- Next time you go to work, sit there and watch someone who's good at that, right? Coaching is great. And if you need coaching, Diane's the person to call, call her right now. But to get to the point where you even know that you need coaching, ask yourself, wow. I mean, there were people when I grew up, I did a rotation with a doctor. And my goodness, when he walked into that hospital, every single person was happy to see him. And you know why? Because he was happy to be there. Yeah. He enjoyed what he did. Yeah. It showed. He was a, a family doctor that actually, I mentioned this in one of my other podcasts, he practiced 50 years, he delivered me. And oh. then I did a rotation with him. That's oh how my God. old he was. Oh my God. But I was in his office. It was the Italian section of Newark, New Jersey, where I grew up. And I was doing my family practice rotation. I would say at least, no exaggeration, Diane, eight out of 10 patients who came in brought him food. <laughs> they loved him so much That's great. that they felt weird not bringing him a gift. Yeah. And, and so I was lucky enough to have that role model. And I think understanding your importance and as you bring out the best in people, when you bring out the best in people, it brings out the best in everybody else. It totally and does. Yeah. yeah. Helen Reese was on our podcast also. She wrote the book, The Empathy Effect. Yep. And one of her things is take care of yourself first. Yeah. Be happy first. And it's contagious. Yeah. 
Well, what a great title of your company, Contagious Change, because that's what you're all about. You're very contagious. So, Well, thanks. And you know, Tony, just to add to that, right? When you walk in and you see those people creating that environment, right? Then just, I invite you just to say to yourself, I want some of that. And yep. then to take the next step to create an intention or ask yourself, I wonder what it would look like if I walked in to that room where everyone was thrilled to see me, what would I have to do? What strengths within me, what intrinsically about me would I want to bring forward? And what is it that I want to look for to notice to where I can say, OMG and a half, they're thrilled to see me. Because then each and every day, you will be motivated and inspired to do it again and again and again, right? So everyone has the capacity to be that way. And the other thing that you were saying, like the doc that you were talking about, right? Imagine that I'm just ever so curious what it would be like for him to know that today you're still talking about the impact that he made years ago, right? And so. The invitation is also there to say, as you're entering into the room, consider that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, people will still be talking about how you made them feel. In my book, I use access your superpower to make people uninvisible. Right? I love that. That's great. And so what is it that you want to do to make people uninvisible? And then notice how you are happier you are more joyful and you appreciate your own capacity to make a difference now there's people listening right now and because this i hear this all the time well in fact when i first gave one of my first workshops it was in my own hospital and my own boss said to me are you sure you want to give this workshop because not everyone can be you and there's a common misconception that some people either have an outgoing personality or they have an ingoing personality I'm going to share with my audience and I'm going to share with you that you're probably going to say no way. But the truth is, I am very shy by nature. Okay. I work at it. I know it doesn't look that way. No but way, I really, Tom, no way. <laughs> I was very shy by nature my whole life, but I learned and I watched and you make everyone better. And so you don't have to be a natural extrovert. And you don't have to be the life of the party. That's right. But you can learn communication techniques like smiling with your eyes, looking in people's eyes, being genuine, sharing something about yourself, all those things. You can be that person. And if everybody was like that, what a great work environment and how much that would improve the patient experience. You know, every doctor that I train, and you know this, statistically will have between 200 and 250,000 patient interactions in their lifetime. So what an impact Yes, yes. to train one doctor, yes. how many patients you are helping. And that's an yes. amazing thing. That is. Yes. Before we close, and because I don't want to take much more of your time, I want people to hear more about the Barrel Institute and your work there, how you got involved with that, just what it's all about. Because when you're talking patient experience, the Barrel Institute is the go-to place and it's all about patient experience. So just tell me a little bit of how you got involved with that and a little bit about the patient experience. Absolutely. So the Barrel Institute is, and I'm just going to read the who we are, right? It's a global community of practice committed to elevating the human experience in healthcare. 
And I love this notion of human experience. It has 20,000 members in 36 countries. So that notion of global in every state. And the membership varies in roles across healthcare, right? So it's not just physicians or nurses or patient experience experts, but anyone interested in elevating the human experience, right? So what I love about the Barrel Institute is the community. Tony, you and I are connecting because of that community. Mm-hmm. It's not an organization of experts that are telling 30,000 people what they need to be doing. Everything developed within the barrel comes from the community itself. So it is extremely inclusive. For me, I can't actually remember the year that I first connected with them. It was either 2011, 2012 kind of time frame. I walked into that room, walked into the keynote speaker room, and I don't use this word very often, but I found my tribe. Mm-hmm. These were people who were passionately connected to the purpose of making a difference in the lives of others in the field of healthcare. I work with them as a faculty member. We have 15 domains of knowledge around things that are important in being a patient experience professional. And while I'm the facilitator of their virtual classes as a faculty member, I'm telling you, I learn from these experts in the community of patient experience all the time. They are welcoming and they are open. And I would be remiss in not mentioning Jason Wolf, who's the president of the Barrel Institute, who is one of the most incredible visionaries. He is very focused on data and information and brings that forward. He shares everything that the Barrel Institute uncovers and just guides us in what I think he would call a movement toward creating experience excellence by enabling others to create a human experience that is exceptional. I've met him one time. He's an amazing guy. If you're listening, Jason, I've emailed you a few yeah. times to try to get you on the podcast. So, Diane, next time you see him, tell him what a great experience it was. Okay. But yeah, the Barrel Institute is wonderful because it's inspiring because you have so many people who are dedicated to making the patient experience better. I think this podcast was an amazing episode because I kept my promise, Diane. I think people out there are inspired to be the best themselves. If I can be the best me, then I can help other people. Yep. Whether I'm a doctor, a nurse, in business, we've given some really good tips about how to lighten up a room. So I think everybody learned some really great communication techniques. Your book might be out by the time this episode airs. I'm not sure of the date, but it is certainly going to be available on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Thank you. So please, everybody, if you need Diane, what's the best way to contact you, Diane? You could just get me at Diane at ContagiousChange.com. And the book is called Leading Heartfully, The Art of Leading Through Your Heart to Discover the Best in Others. And that should be out any day now. So Diane, thank you so much. You've been an excellent host and another podcast that I'm going to get credit for, but it had nothing to do with me. It's just all about you. So thank you so much. Oh, Tony, it was my absolute pleasure. You know, it is disappointing that people can't see the video because 
I'm smiling so much. Tony, you are a gracious host. You have the ability to make people laugh. There's a fluidness in all of this. My intention, I will tell you, was to create a conversation with you that people would listen to and go, oh my God, they must be the best buds. They're just dancing in the moment. And I think, Tony, that we did that wonderfully together. So thank you for the invitation today. And thank you for the kind words. If you like this podcast, please go ahead and hit subscribe. If you haven't already, please go ahead and download this podcast and all the other previous episodes. You can find it on Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you want to find out more information about the Orsini Way, you can go to www.theorsiniway.com and you can contact me through that website. Thanks again, Diane. This has been amazing. And I can't wait for your book to come out and to find out how many people bought it. I'm sure it's going to be a a big bestseller. So thanks so much. Thanks, Tone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment and review. To contact Dr. Orsini and his team or to suggest guests for future podcasts, visit us at theorsiniway.com.